I'm always seeing things on the news and thinking that can't be right, can it? Listen to the KYW News Radio in depth podcast and make it make sense. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. We're into the month of June, which is Pride Month. But Philadelphia Pride as we knew it, it's not coming back. Reports have been swirling that Philly Pride Presents is no more. We called their number. It's not connected. Their Facebook page is gone. Their website has no useful information on it at this time. That report came from KYW News Radio last June, but frustration with the leaders behind Pride and a general feeling that the event just wasn't what the community needed have been building for a while. Activist Tareem Burroughs, who was part of organizing a Pride march in place of the parade in 2020, had this to say that summer. There is very little to be proud of. Black men, black trans women are being horrifically killed in the streets. Honestly, this is not the time to toss glitter and to sing and dance. This is the time for us to come together as a community and support our black queer brothers and sisters. If you even look at the roots of Pride, the first Pride was a riot. So we need to get back to our roots. Now this year, a new organization called PHL Pride Collective is planning a different type of celebration. So how do we get here? And what will Pride look like going forward? I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Sabrina Boyd-Serka. And Philadelphia Pride is this weekend with a march and festival scheduled for this Sunday, June 5th. Now, we've asked Jason Villamez, the editor of the Philadelphia Gay News, one of the oldest LGBTQ publications in the country, to help us explain what you need to know going into this event. Since he's been covering Pride and all the ups and downs over the last couple of years, so between the pandemic and the controversy with Philly Pride Presents, Philadelphia hasn't had what would be considered a typical Pride Festival for the last two years. What exactly led to Philly Pride Presents choosing to disband? I think the the, the proverbial straw was two different uh, social media posts that the organization made um, in 2020. One uh, basically told the story of Stonewall from the police perspective. So uh, during Stonewall, the LGBTQ uh, people had barricaded the police inside the bar Stonewall and they were trapped. And so that post um, took the perspective of the, of the police, which a lot of people found in really poor taste considering the community's relationship with the police. The second post uh, referred to some of the trans uh, participants of Stonewall and the gay rights movement as quote unquote, those dressed as women. And uh, that's also incredibly offensive uh, to people who are trans. Those two things really offended a lot of people. And so I think that allowed for the other grievances that people had with Philly Pride Presents to kind of come out in the open. And it allowed the pressure to build uh, for them to disband. A lot of community members um, have alleged that um, they've had bad experiences at Philly Pride whether it be racist incidents or transphobic incidents, whether or not those were caused by anybody related to Philly Pride Presents, again, is, is not clear. But people had that sort of feeling that uh, Philly Pride Presents was not catering to everybody and was not uplifting those who are the most marginalized in the community. And this is sort of a sentiment that we're hearing across the country. It's almost this reckoning. Is this sort of echoing other cities and people people nationally who are thinking just this commercialized version of pride is not what we need right now? That's absolutely right. I think that the community is undergoing an evolution. 
um, we're seeing people who have previously been pushed to the margins have more power, um, not just through, you know, a greater social media presence, but through corporations uh, employing more, specifically trans people of color. And we're seeing those voices become more prominent. And so I think pride is just a reflection of where the community stands at the moment. And our moment right now is uh, to uplift as many people as we can and also to ensure that everybody has the ability to be a part of the community. And I think generally um, when you have these sort of shifts in the movement, they're happening alongside politics. They're happening alongside changes in business um, in policies. And so it's not just pride that is having this change. We're seeing much, many more businesses, especially in Philly and around the country, become more LGBTQ friendly, include more trans inclusive healthcare policies. And so I think, um, I think the consensus is that it's just following kind of where the country is going especially now that we have a lot of these don't say gay bills around the country, uh, you're gonna, we're gonna, I think the community is gonna wanna be speaking out a lot more. And so I think previously Pride was kind of focused on, again, corporations, uh, focused on just being, being joyful and being proud. And that certainly is a part of Pride and it always should be. But I think people are aware that we need to do a little bit more than just celebrate. We need to actually speak out. And that brings us to PHL Pride Collective, who's taken over. Now, it took a while to hear anything about what Pride was going to be this year. How did this organization kind of come together over the last couple of years? So this organization uh, launched when Philly Pride Presents disbanded, and they had some growing pains, uh, as I think any new organization has. They had a lot of different voices involved, and I think it took them um, this long to figure out what they want to be also to build those relationships with the city and with nonprofits and with the community that are uh, required to host a pride event of this magnitude. Um, Philadelphia is an incredibly large city. So any pride celebration that's going to be catering to the city and the region is going to have to be big. It's, it's not just in someone's backyard. And so that takes really careful planning and logistics. And so I think I, I think the group is uh, is finding its way and uh, we'll see how things go this weekend. It sounded to me like they kind of got thrown into it, too, because Philly Pride Presents disbanded so suddenly. And then it was like someone has to take over and they had to learn from the ground up, uh, at least as my impression, without a whole lot of guidance. Does that sound right? That's exactly right. And I think when PHL Pride Collective first uh, was created, they weren't planning on having any sort of outside uh, support from corporations or from a nonprofit. I think they eventually realized that that wasn't sustainable. And so they entered under um, the wing of Galay, which is an organization that serves the LGBTQ community here in Philadelphia. And I think when that happened, I think some members of the group thought that that wasn't what should have happened. And so it was divisions like that that I think they had to work through. And again, any any celebration in Philadelphia is going to require money. It's going to require logistics and it's going to require a lot of patience and a lot of planning. And you mentioned Galay. KYW Charity Howard spoke with their executive director, Ashley Coleman, about their mission and priorities in creating PHL Pride Collective. It is really important to to really zone in on who are the most impacted, who are the most vulnerable 
to the external attacks or even sometimes internal uh, attacks. So Philadelphia is a predominantly black and brown city and the leaders of all of our movements should be reflective of the populations that are most impacted um, by what is happening in our world. So for the first time in the history of Philadelphia, Pride is being run entirely by black and brown, queer and trans folks. It is historic. This is the moment where we don't wait for others to tell us when and where we fit in. You made a space. You made a space for everyone. And it's not that it's just for black and brown people. It's that it's inclusive of black and brown people. And I think people got that wrong in the beginning. Absolutely. This is a space for everyone. And it's really about uplifting the most marginalized, making sure that folks that often don't get a microphone, get that microphone in their hand. The other piece is that no one owns pride. Galay does not own pride. PHL Pride Collective does not own pride. We as a queer community own pride. So I encourage other organizers to start making other festivals throughout the city. We have an entire month that we should be celebrating and marching and talking to our legislators and making sure that the changes that need to be made for our community are made and also that we celebrate joy and we hug one another. Let's do it all throughout the city of Philadelphia. So we've heard why Pride is changing and in a minute, we'll hear what this year's Pride March and Festival are gonna look like. We'll have more with Jason Villamez from the Philadelphia Gay News coming up. I'm Jay. I'm Sabrina. And we're speaking with Jason Villamez from the Philadelphia Gay News about this year's Philadelphia Pride celebration, which is set to take a whole new direction. What can people expect from those events on Sunday? What are, what is it, what's that going to look like? It's going to be a political march, uh, from what I've heard. Uh, there are going to be stations where people are going to give speeches recognizing um, historical figures of the LGBTQ community and also the struggle that uh, is currently undergone by the LGBTQ community. I suspect you're not going to see a lot of uh, people in the traditional kind of pride wear we may have seen at, at typical parades in the past. Uh, but again, people are free to wear what they like. Uh, I assume, and it's going to be just just an event where people can come together and, again, really push forward and uh, say that we're still here. Also say that uh, we're not going to tolerate these um, these just really dangerous political bills that are all across the country. And also, we're not going to tolerate people being discriminated against, whether that is outside the community or inside the community. This year is also the 50th anniversary of the first Pride Day here in the city of Philadelphia back in 1972. Is there anything else special happening to acknowledge a 50th anniversary? I believe PHL Pride Collective has said that this entire event on Sunday is going to be kind of in recognition of that very first Philadelphia Pride, which I think is is a great thing. Philadelphia Pride doesn't get the recognition it deserves. We're always kind of undershadowed by New York and D.C., but Philly Pride actually created some history on its own. Um, In 1976, uh, Governor Milton Schapp issued uh, what I believe is the first uh, statewide proclamation for Gay Pride Month in the country. And that was read aloud in 1976 um, in Rittenhouse Square, where uh, Pride Month was that year. So again, Philadelphia has an amazing history in the LGBTQ community. And I think Pride, uh, celebrating the 50th anniversary of that first Philly Pride is going to be something to watch. So it's hearkening back to kind of the 
protest origins of Pride. There aren't going to be any of the big floats that you might have seen in past years, which I think is sort of the, I imagine, the biggest visual difference. But I also like that they're being, the intention is to be more inclusive, right? So they have things like a relaxation zone for people who want to or need to seek out a calmer space, a sober space and a dry bar for people who aren't so into the drinking and partying scene. So I think those are a couple of ways, Jason, I don't know if you know of any other ways that they are really actively trying to make this a more inclusive space. Yeah, those are two of the new things uh, this year, and we've seen a lot of people excited about those those things, especially uh, sort of the low sensory area. Uh, Pride can be pretty loud, and uh, I think, number one, doing the in the neighborhood is great because you'll allow yourself to section off those different areas rather than, say, Penn's Landing, where it's kind of all on the open. It kind of surprises me that it wasn't in the neighborhood before. I mean, that just seems like the logical place. It does. And I think because the city did Outfest in October, which was a coming out block party, they wanted to have it happen in a different space. Um, but again, Penn's Landing was brutally hot. Uh, it was hard to find uh, vet vendors. If you had a friend at Penn's Landing at a table, unless you had the exact location of the table and a map of Penn's Landing, it was really hard to find. Um, one year, Pride was at uh, Broad in Washington in the empty lot there, which was super hard to get to. Um, it's been at Belmont Plateau, it's been in Rittenhouse. So yeah, I agree. I think the neighborhood really is the perfect space uh, for Pride. Um, the neighborhood is emblematic of our LGBTQ community. It has a lot of LGBTQ owned businesses that are going to reap a lot of benefits from the crowds at Pride. And so uh, again, it, it's, it's, it's the great location for Pride and uh, I'm glad that it's going back there. And it sounds like that's at least one thing that you're hoping for to see for future Pride events. What else would you like to see in the years to come with Pride? And also, what do you want PHL Pride Collective to do with this opportunity to kind of change the narrative and change what people think of Pride here in Philly? I'd like people to uh, just be aware of the amazing history of our community. I think Pride Month is uh, the number one chance that we have to not only expand our messaging uh, to the world and show them what a vibrant, diverse community we are and what a fighting community we are, but also that we are everywhere. Um, we're in every industry. Uh, LGBTQ people are and have been and will be a part of this country, a part of this world. And I think Pride Month is the number one way to show people that. Jason Villamez from the Philadelphia Gay News, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Now, you can find Jason Villamez on Twitter at his name, Jason Villamez. That's it for today. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Sabrina Boyd-Circa. And tomorrow, we're going to take a look at a unique piece of Philadelphia history. The Sun Ra House, where the legendary jazz musician lived, just became a historical landmark. We'll learn about Sun Ra's legacy here in the city tomorrow. Have a great Thursday. We'll see you again on Friday.